So if you could be here around nine, that would be great. Okay. Well, listen here. Hello, and welcome to Love After Lockup. Ha ha, okay. I'm Miss H, and today Mr. O and I will be talking about Life After Lockup, Season 3, Episode 9. This week, Lindsay and Scott talk shit about each other to the cameras, Andrea and Lamar make amends, Michael and Sarah make amends, Shane teaches Lacey's kids about lying, Destiny prays with her sister, Amber and Puppy get wild, and Quaylin meets up with Chevelle and Demark and Branson. If you like what you hear, please support us by subscribing and leaving a five-star rating or any other constructive comments are welcome. And if you watch 90 Day Fiance, check out our other podcast channel, 90 Day MK, Teachable Moments with Miss H and Mr. O. Thanks, stay safe, and enjoy. Hello, Miss H. Hello, Mr. O. How are things going? Uh, things are going well, and I know they're going well for you because today you were vaccinated. Yes, I got my fir- I got my first shot because we're at the stage where teachers can get shots, and as everyone knows, we're teachers. Yep. So hopefully that means we can get back to work soon. Oh, I can get back to work because I've been out of the building all year. I know. I was going to say, I've been back to work. Well, I mean, <laughs> hybrid way, so sure. it's not exactly the same, but yeah. Uh-huh. All right. Uh, let's go ahead and jump right into it. Oh, let's get Sarah and Michael out of the way. So Michael wants to put the ho-ass argument behind them so it doesn't jeopardize his relationship with his girls. Sarah and Aviana are having a staring contest as Michael shows up. Michael tickles and kisses Aviana, which brings a smile to Sarah's face. Before Sarah sends Aviana off to bed, she apologizes to Aviana for how she acted at the hotel in front of her. She says that how she reacted just wasn't right and she still loves her. Michael is putting Aviana to bed, and Sarah asks him if he wants a beer. When Michael is done, Sarah hands him the beer. Mike sits down and apologizes. Sarah says that he needs to not talk about the past, and they just need to focus on the day. Producers ask Sarah where Michael will be sleeping, and Sarah says, well, not in my room. Sarah tells Michael that nothing will ever happen with them, ever again. Michael asks Sarah when the last time they had sex was, and Sarah says, oh, years ago, which, by the way, doesn't really fit into the whole cheating on Maria timeline. So then Michael asks, when was the last time they fucked, and gives her a knowing smile, and Sarah just laughs really embarrassed and says she hates him. Rain starts crying, and they joke over who's going to go get her. Michael tells us he's confident Sarah's still in love with him, and he'll be able to have sex with whoever, whenever he wants. And her. He tells Sarah that it's like they're in an open marriage. And Sarah tests this by asking if he would be okay with her just having sex with whoever. And what if she asked him for condoms? And he said that he's already given her some of those. Okay, so. I don't think Michael's wrong. There are definitely some looks she gives. Uh, I kind of felt like. You know, her asking him for the beer. It's like, isn't this how the cheating Maria incident happened? It started off with her offering him a drink. And, you know, it just seems like when alcohol gets involved, it's like, you know, I don't want to blame it on the alcohol, but I do feel like, and we'll see this later with Amber and Puppy, it gives them an excuse, you know, some kind of justification to blame it on. Sure. But anyways, what do you think is the best for Sarah moving forward at this point? I mean the best meaning like definitely not michael well yeah but i mean like i get where she's coming from she wants to keep the father of her children in her life but Mm -hmm. i think at this point what does that look like it it does not look like him living there and Mm -hmm. them flirting with each other yeah like it definitely doesn't look like that and that's the thing too is like yeah whatever she's saying like she's very much like dismissing him in a super flirtatious way that yeah. is like, oh, shut up. I hate you. Jeez. Oh. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know? And so I definitely see where – I definitely saw what, what he saw when he was like, oh, yeah, she's still into it. Like, oh, yeah. She might sure. be saying like, – you're, you know, because it's also like as soon as you like make the like big bold assertion, we are not sleeping together. And he was like, oh, so you're saying that was a possibility then? <laughs> like it was on the it's, – it's, it's maybe not on the table, but it's table adjacent. Like right, we'll get there. right. Like, and we can get there. Maybe a little yeah. more cajoling and, you know, yeah. we get there. We'll get there. Uh, so I, I, I was on board with him, but I just think she needs to – she needs to be done with that. And it's really hard to do because, like, she still clearly finds him very attractive, right? Yeah, 
And she still like has that desire for, and it's really hard to not be flirtatious and not be that when that part is there and they can't move on to what they, where they need to move, which is like a partnership, like in a partnership, not in like, you know, domestic partnership, but in a co-parenting partnership where it's like, you know, the kind of relationship you have with a, a business partner where it's like, we have our things and we get along great and we'll hang out and we'll do things from time to time. But we're like, at the end of the day, we're not each other's life anymore. Right. Okay. So why don't you share kind of your experience with this? So I know fairly recently during pandemic times, you went on a kind of homebound vacation with your ex-wife and your two kids. And so it was like a family vacation. And so I kind of envisioned this is how it should look like, right? So what, describe what happened after the kids went to bed. I mean, the kids went to bed and like, you know, maybe we, no, and most of the time after the kids went to bed, it's kind of like you're kind of in your own own spaces, right? Maybe you watch, finish watching whatever was on TV, you're sitting on separate couches, you know, but the conversation that's there isn't, you know, sexually charged conversation. That ship has sailed. That's gone, Mm -hmm. right? That's done. So it's, you know, conversations that are just like, you know, we like when we were there, the freaking uh, presidential debate was on, mm-hmm. right? So you watch that, you talk politics, you say, you mentioned the thing, the same things you were talking about that you would talk about in front of the kids, mm-hmm. right? There's nothing that you wouldn't go into that. And then, you know, everybody just goes into their own bedroom and reads their books and goes to sleep. It's not, you know, it's definitely not, not to say that there's no beer, but there's like a beer. It's definitely mm-hmm. not, oh, we're just going to get, you know, we're going to knock them all back and get a little tipsy and get wasted. Like that's not where that relationship's at anymore. And that's not where it needs to be because you're right. When I'm imagining what the best thing for her is, I'm imagining something very similar to how me and my ex, um, you know, co-parent. Yeah, absolutely. So Sarah, it can be done. (laughs) Right. So uh, let's go to um, thinking of things. Oh, let's go to Lacey and Shane. Okay. Because just Shane. Oh, oh poor gosh. guy. Speaking of right. children. Yeah, speaking of children. So Shane, Lacey, and the kids are all sitting down for a dinner. Shane starts making some weird conversation about kids lying to you at school as basically just to subtweet Lacey. He, of course, knows that you know, John, inmate John, not dad John, is out of prison and that Lacey knows that he's out of prison. So he knows that Lacey knows that John is, you know, one of those high school type things. So Shane says that John is the biggest problem in their relationship. And if necessary, he will eliminate the problem. God. Right, so then we switch mean? over. I, I, the thing is, is, I think he means physically. Like he'll physically beat him up, oh. take him out. But like Shane cannot beat up John. No. Like, no. Not happening. So anyway, we switch over to John, who is um, burning the crap out of some grilled cheese for his buddy Lloyd. Uh, Lloyd's a little worried that John is still playing endless solitaire as if he was locked up. He says, you know, you can do other things besides the things you did in prison. But anyway, the real reason Lloyd is there is just so that there's someone for John to talk about Lacey and how he basically doesn't just doesn't know how to quit her. Um, Despite how he always seems to end up in a jail cell whenever they get involved. John says that he just needs closure from Lacey, but he can't get it because Lacey won't answer the phone or text him back. Back with Shane, dinner is over, and he goes into the kitchen with Lacey and pulls the, is there anything you needed to tell me? Before just telling her what he knows. Lacey's response is to be super condescending to Shane and mad at her dad for snitching about it. Shane starts to ask a bunch of questions. Have you been meeting? Are you talking to him? She says, no, of course not. I'm pregnant with your baby. Shane wants to get a protective order, and Lacey is worried that if John shows up, Shane will do something to land himself back in prison, like, you know, take her out or whatever. Take him out. Yeah. So, all right. So I had a few, like, smaller questions here, right? Mm -hmm. First of all is, I mean, is this really a situation where they would give you a protective order? John hasn't been abusive to her. No, I don't see why. Unless there was, like, harassment happening, right? And I kind of feel like you can't really say it's been harassment if you've been also like engaging, right? And so John has reached out to her once. Lacey has chosen not to engage. If John continues to reach out, then yes, maybe you could get some kind of restraining order if it like turns into harassment. But how it is right now, it's not harassment. 
Yeah, I mean, it just seems like, I mean, as much as he wants to get together with Lacey and meet up with Lacey and get his closure or whatever, he does seem to be, I think he sent probably a couple messages, but nothing that could be construed as like, like harassment. I mean, he sure. we did that thing where he kind of showed up at a restaurant and like drove past the restaurant she was in, <laughs> but like, she doesn't know that. Like, right, and so right. it just seems like, I don't, it seems like an abuse of a valuable legal tool to be like, oh, well, yeah. I don't want this guy around my wife, so I'm going to get a protective order. Right. Like, that doesn't seem he right. He clearly doesn't get how it runs. And I feel right. like he's trying to make it, to put it on law enforcement, you know, without Lacey's consent. Like, I don't want this guy anywhere near her, so I'm going to make it so the police are, like, making sure that they can enforce the fact that yeah. he is not around her. But she's probably like, I don't care. It's fine. Like, I can handle myself. Right. And so the other question I had goes back to John. What kind of closure do you think he's going to get from Lacey? Like, I don't understand what he's looking for there. If he says he's looking for closure. I don't know if he's really going to get any closure. I think for him to really get closure, what it's going to look like is Lacey giving birth to this child. Lacey telling John, hey, listen. This is my family now. I'm going to make it work with Shane. You really need to stop messaging me or trying to contact me. This is over and done with. Mm -hmm. I think he needs to hear it explicitly from her. And I think he really hasn't heard it. And that's what keeps on giving him hope. You know, so she she has always come back in the past, even though she was married to Shane. And even though she said no. And that's, that's part of the reason that's tricky, too. Is like he and right now he's not even getting a no, so he's kind of like, well, right. it's less than no, and I've overcome no before. Yeah, like, yeah, definitely. So yeah, I think he's waiting for her to actually say it, and I do think she's one of those people that, you know, she's n- unsure about you know the future, and so she really doesn't want to tell him no, leave me alone, go away, I don't ever want to see you again because. She's thinking, well, I, I want this as an option. Maybe if things don't work out the way they are here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, it, part of it is I don't think she totally trusts Shane, right? No, and so it's kind of like, well, this guy might have this baby and decide, nope, I'm out. Like, and then I need to have a backup cho- a backup option. I can't like burn any bridges. Yeah, but I will say to Shane's credit and Lacey's kind of defense, she is really good with her kids. Mm-hmm. Everything that we see, he's really good with them. But let's kind of talk about that really awkward dinner that they were having. (laughs) So bad. That was the weirdest conversation. What adult has that conversation in front of their kids? I just wanted Lacey to be like, I get it, Shane. I get it. You're not subtle. You're slick. I get it. We'll talk about it later. (laughs) But just be like. (laughs) <laughs> but she even played dumb after him. Like it was such a weird. Like I, I could only imagine trying to have that conversation with my kids, and they're like, "Dad, what are you talking about? Right. Where did you like, come up so with this out of weird, nowhere?" You know, and it was so like beat around the bush. You know, and it was yeah. like, out of the blue too. So it's just kind of like, where is this coming from? Obviously, yeah. it's coming from somewhere, and I know Lacey knew it was coming from somewhere. So just it was so funny the look she was giving him the entire time, like yeah, just like what's happening. I here? don't know what you clearly have some sort of thing going on that has nothing to do with making sure no one is lying to the kids at school because <laughs> lying is what bad people do. So weird. Yeah, it was very bizarre. All right. Uh, speaking of bizarre, I think Quaylen's, uh stalkering being played <laughs> out was a bit bizarre. So Quaylen has made it to Branson. He keeps calling and calling Chevelle, but she's not picking up. So he calls Myela instead. Chevelle is with Myela and her cousin D-Mark, and she excuses herself to go to the bathroom when Myela gets the call. Myela tells Quaylen that she's with Uncle D-Mark, and Quaylen recognizes a Ferris wheel in the background. D-Mark asks her who she's talking to, and she says her dad. Chevelle is pissed that he happened to call when she was away because she would never let Myela pick up the phone for him at this point. We see in the commercial break that Quaylen goes into a tourist office and overshares his personal situation and says he's looking for a Ferris wheel. Even though the nice lady working the desk asks if they all know he's there and he says no, she still helps to direct him to Chevelle's location. Quaylen rolls up with his suitcase as Myela gets in a go-kart as Chevelle and D-Mark look on. 
Demark says that the focus should be on herself and her daughter, and Chevelle laments how she got Myla calling Quaylen daddy. And speak of the devil, Quaylen just shows up. Chevelle, however, is grinning ear to ear and gives him a big hug. Demark is scowling in the corner when this is all happening. Chevelle thinks that, you know, Quaylen is showing her that he loves her, but doesn't know how he wants, you know, to be there. Demark says that Quaylen doesn't have a seat at the table yet, and Demark's thinking about the family. Quaylen says, you know, he has a seat at this table, and his feet are up. And so then this just pretty much is the beginning of them both bickering back and forth, as Chevelle is sitting there grinning ear to ear like an idiot. She says she's just smiling because she has no idea what's going on. Demark gets frustrated and walks off to check on my Ela, cursing the whole way. All right, so... Do you think Chevelle will f oh forgive Quaylen right away or make him work for it? Because let's be real here. Chevelle's taking him back. Yeah. I mean, I I don't. These are just the things that maybe this is why, you know, if I don't have maybe a series of relationships, because it would never occur to me if I was in Quavelle, I mean, in, in Quaylen's situation. I said Quavelle. Yeah. Let's go with Quavelle. Two of them. <laughs> if I was in Quaylen's situation, like, I would be like, well, I guess this is over. Time to move on. I would never right. be like, I need to go and drag my big ass suitcase around an entire city <laughs> and just roll up on her. That's wow. what's gonna that's what's gonna make a difference in this relationship. Oh my gosh. I cannot believe that tour guide helped him after him oversharing that he was basically there stalking someone. Like, right? oh my girl, like she doesn't know I'm here. Oh, she doesn't? Yeah, but I'm going to, you know, try work things out with her. So I know there's a Ferris wheel. Where is their Ferris wheel? Oh, there it is. Here's a map on how to get there. It's just like, oh, my gosh. I feel like it might be hard to miss the Ferris wheel in Branson. Like, I definitely think like, I can tell her it's part of the show. It's the cameras are there. Because what worst case scenario, he gets in an Uber and says, take me to the Ferris wheel. <laughs> Uber just <laughs> takes him there. Right? It's not like the, I don't think there's a which Ferris wheel are you talking about? This is the Ferris wheel district, sir. Like, <laughs> yeah, but at the same time, I feel like maybe she should have taken the opportunity to be like also yeah, talk some sense into him. Like, do you, are you sure? Of it? Well, apparently he was, so he knows better than me because Chevelle was like got up and hugged him and things, and wasn't like, ah, you freaking creep! Like up in front of white. Can we also then talk about because you know using his other you know, deductive powers that he got here now. Why does Maila have a working cell phone? Yeah. She's young. Isn't she like five? She's like five. Yeah. Yeah. She's like five or six at most. She was five when we first saw her. So maybe she's had a birthday. So six at the oldest. That, uh, yeah, seems a little young. So my kids, my kids had quote-unquote, had phones. Yeah, but they weren't, like, connected. They weren't connected to anything. It was just, right. like, on the wire. So they were, like, basically mini tablets. Right, right. And so that makes sense to me. But for her to have, like, they're paying a cell phone plan for her? That's crazy. Yeah, that seems, yeah. And, okay, and then Uncle D-Mark, like, freaking grab the phone from her. Who I love how they're to? halfway through the conversation. He's like, who are you talking to? Well, are you to? on the phone? What? Yeah. What was he doing? It's like, you have the right to ask, especially at six years old. Come on now. Right. I don't know. I would not. Because who knows what you're going to answer. It could be spam calls. going to try to sell the little girl ED pills or something. I don't know what's God. going on with this. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that seems not smart. And I don't know. To me, just everything about their segments seemed really staged. So like, staged. How Absolutely. is this happening in real life? Like, you just happened to video message her daughter. No, Chevelle happened to be in the bathroom when this happened. D-Mark just happened to let her, like, continue in the, on this conversation. This Ferris wheel happened to be in the background. Quaylen happened to find the Ferris wheel. They happened, you know, it's just like too and many he happens coincidences. To, he happens to roll up on them with his suitcase exactly at the same time they're talking about him. Yeah. Yeah, every, isn't there. everything was super staged. I agree. Yeah. It seemed very, very staged. Very ridiculous. Yeah. All right. So going on to, I don't know, other staged, but let's just go to Andre and Lamar. Yeah. Their segments typically seem staged. 
Yeah, but this was except a except for when Andrea's blowing up, then that doesn't seem as. Yeah, you know, right. I think they, I, I think, I think they, think I think they set up everything around it, kind of like when you do a movie explosion, like yeah. you know it's gonna like blow, but we'll just keep everything around safe. We'll get set up the right scenario, and we'll just see what happens. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, this one was yeah different. So Andrea and the girls are finally leaving the hotel after she had a night to decompress. Andrea says that she's ready now to have an adult conversation about everything, and promises Nyla that there won't that it won't turn into another blow up fight. She admits that she can be a bit dramatic, oh, but she feels it's unfair that Shante blames her and not Lamar for you know the relationship with with, with the family. And then after she's back, Lamar comes home with some flowers and they apologize to each other, specifically for their behavior in the fight. Andrea says that she was mostly upset about the lying, but also that she wasn't, didn't get to be a part of her daughter meeting her sister. All right, Lamar suggests that Andrea and Shante have a sit down because he mostly feels like it's a big misunderstanding. Then he tries to make out with her and they actually have a playful moment. But (laughs) thankfully, we don't see that much of it. Yes, anyway, now that things are in better shape, Lamar apologizes to Priscilla for making her promise to keep a secret from her mom. He tells her that she did nothing wrong, and she gets him to pinky promise never to keep secrets again. Then he drops a beat and lets her freestyle about the whole situation as he joins in. It was actually that was that part was actually really sweet. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so do you think? Because it's, it, I don't know. Do you think Lamar's solution to this this Shante problem is just having Andrea and Shante sit down and hash it out? Is that going to be a viable solution? I don't know. I mean, it's unpredictable because Andrea's unpredictable. You know, like she seemed kind of open, but you know, a bit hesitant about Shante being part of their life. And I feel like I don't know. You just never know what's going to set her off. Uh huh. And I think you're also don't really know what Shantae is going to say in that situation either because it definitely feels like Shantae feels rejected by at least Andrea. And mm-hmm. so if that's the case, like she she resents Lamar because she thinks Andrea is keeping Shantae from the family. So already they're not on good footing. So I feel like what Lamar has to do is he needs to facilitate this situation. He needs to start off by saying... You know, I think there's been a misunderstanding about, you know, whatever's been going on with his family, about, you know, who wants someone here or not here, you know, so we just need to forget all of that. We're trying to, we all agree that we want to move forward as one family unit. So let's start off fresh. But I think Lamar is going to have to do something. Right. That, that was That was what I was getting to is I just felt like, the way he kind of proposed it is like, hmm, my daughter and my wife don't get along. Maybe you should just throw them in a room, make them figure it out. Yeah, like, no. like he needs to be part of a solution, right? Right. He needs to because otherwise he just makes the whole thing worse, right? Mm-hmm. Because like both of them kind of feel like abandoned by him. And like yeah. now they're making guesses on whose side is he on. Like there needs to be some mediation and he needs to be the mediator. Yeah. Like, so I, I don't think – his plan of I can't figure this out, so I'll just let you all do it. Like that doesn't that's not gonna work. Right. And I do also think that regardless if it's true or not, he kinda has to take the heat for what's happened in the past. You sure. know, otherwise Shantae is going to always resent Andrea. And even if it's legitimately true, like maybe Andrea did start off by saying, I don't, you know, want her part of our life or part of this part of the family. I want you to keep her separate. You know, like maybe she did say something like in the like that in the past. Maybe Lamar can say, oh, I'm sorry. It was a misunderstanding. I thought uh, that's what Andrea had said, but that's not what she had meant at all. You know, and so kind of taking totally. the heat, yeah. you know, for whatever's happened, I think is really the only way you're going to prevent them from being resentful of one another, especially for things that have happened and really can't be changed from the past. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's that's. Definitely a lot, of, a lot of truth there. Like he has to, like especially if he does honestly think it was a misunderstanding, then it was him that was the one that misunderstood, mm-hmm. right? Like it yeah. wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't Shantae's fault because he pretty much relayed to Shantae what he thought Andrea had meant to him, had sent to him, or mm-hmm. had made clear to him, and he didn't. Now, do we think it actually is that? 
maybe, maybe not. Like I think right. that Andrea, when, when she kind of got into this scenario where she can see – and this is typical of her character – where she can see, oh, I'm going to start looking like the bad guy here soon. I'm just going to not just go about face but say I never meant any of the things I said before. Like all this mm-hmm. stuff, all that, that situation. I didn't mean for that to happen. That's not what I meant at all. So, Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, Let's go ahead and move on to Amber and Puppy. So Amber and Puppy are both getting dolled up for a night on the town. Puppy tells us that she is so into Amber and she's hoping that after a night of drinking, she'll get a better idea of where they stand. They both take turns chugging a bottle of Crown before they hop into a cab. Puppy tells Amber to make sure not to leave her alone and Amber reassures her that she will make sure that she has a good time. They get to Barnacles, a sports lounge, where Amber greets her friends and introduces Puppy to everyone. She starts everything off on the right foot by complimenting Puppy in front of everyone. They continue to chug out of bottles of liquor, and Amber and Puppy start making out and giving each other lap dances and feeling each other up. Amber thinks she might just be gay when she's drunk. Amber says she needs drinks and leaves the table to go find some, leaving Puppy alone with Amber's guy friends. Puppy tells uh, Amber's friends that Amber seems distracted, but they assure her that Amber has only been with men and she's just maybe not really ready to be official. The friends are all ride or die for Puppy. Amber comes back to the table but is talking with some other guys at the other end where Puppy can clearly see her. Puppy is upset that Amber is kissing her, laying a claim on her, but not committing to her. Puppy is acting distant in the car ride back to the house. Amber asks what's wrong, and Puppy just plays it off. Amber isn't thinking about how her dude is complicating things because she loves Puppy with her whole heart and doesn't intend on hurting her. Puppy thinks that Amber only seems to have feelings for her when she's drunk, and that hurts her because she loves Amber all the time. But she knows that she's too drunk right now to talk about anything, so instead they just go to their room and make out as they close the door. All right, so... Amber, it seems like she has good intentions, but we don't really see too much of her other guy. But she seems to think that this isn't a problem. So if push comes to shove, do you think Amber would choose her dude or puppy? I mean, I think that's the problem for Amber mm-hmm. is that I think when push comes to shove, she's going to tr- she's going to try her best to have both. Yes. Like she wants to have her cake and eat it too. Yeah. And like at some point, one or both of those people is going to have to leave Amber because she's not going to choose between those two. Yeah. I feel so bad for Puppy. It, so bad for Puppy. Oh, my God. Yeah. It seems or it's pretty evident through everything that we've seen that she super loves Amber. She just wants to be like with Amber. And it hurts her to not have that same commitment because I don't think it's the lack of affection. Like the affection seems to be there. You know, and I know she says like, oh, well, she seems only like affectionate when she's drunk. But I mean, the other times, if you think about it, they're at her mom's house. That can't be the most comfortable place to be all over each other. But even when she was drunk, like the way she kind of behaved for that all uh, through that whole thing, it was like she'd make out with her and then disappear for a long time. You know, it was like definitely mixed signals. Like, I'm really into you, but let's not like make sure. Let's like also send a signal Mm -hmm. that this isn't like. The whole thing. I'm not all the way in, like, in this. Um, because, I mean, the other thing, too, is it was – I think it was a fake club. It was a fake club, right? It was very weird. Okay, so if you saw the outside, <laughs> it said Barnacles, a sports lounge. That is right. not That is I not a sports, sports lounge. lounge. <laughs> yeah, because I was going to say, that looked like a legit club with, like, table service. And right. so I, I'm, I was very confused by that. Because that's not what I would think and of. I, a sports yeah, it almost lounge. it almost feels to me like that that was the only that was the only bar in town, and so we're, or like these bar, bar big enough. So we're like, all right, we're gonna come in as a crew and like set up set it up like it's a club for tonight. Yeah, and then we'll come back I later. I and- maybe see that a little bit. Yeah, because it definitely had very club table service feel to it. Like they were definitely. chugging out of a bottle of Grey Goose. Yes, and oh, who chugged out of a bottle of Grey I don't Goose? No, oh. these. As they would say, these bitches do. (laughs) (laughs) The fact that they call each other a bitch like every two seconds is very like jarring to me. I get that that's part of their like vernacular. Like, you know, it's just what they do. They, Uh you know, it's like, hey, buddy. 
but it's just like oh gosh every time i hear it it's just it's like just, oh it's really jarring yeah. yeah i thought it was i i really i i liked amber's friends that they set out yes like, they loved puppy they were like i'm right. ride or die for puppy Right. Well, I mean, because I mean, it seemed to me, I'm, I'm pretty confident that the, at least the two that they interviewed outside, they were gay. Oh, yeah, right? for sure. And so they're like, they were like, yes, I'm a, I approve of this gay relationship for Amber. Yes, I, absolutely. Yes, let's go. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Those guys she brings around are, are jerks. Like, we like her way better. Oh, my goodness. Well, I mean, I would be really interested to see who Amber's new dude is because we've already seen Vince. He's a freaking weirdo. And... Uh-huh. You know, it is funny to me that her dude's in prison. So it's right. kind of like, what kind of guy is this guy? You is know, it, cause... Does she have a type? Is it going to be like Vince number two? Or are you going to be like, oh, I gosh. see the resemblance. Oh, I see gosh. where you're going. But he, she wasn't into Vince, though. So no, I she can't, totally can't... wasn't. Because he was a weirdo. And, you know, but when she into Vince, him physically. weird. But was she into him physically? And then, like, once, she found, once, once they met, she was like, weird, don't like it. Or, like. See, honestly, what I see him, like. Even before, you know, like just seeing pictures of him, I'd be like, oh, no. Interesting. He has Interesting. very weird eyebrows slash the look in his eye. Like it's kind of dead looking. I don't know. There's nothing that inspires me with his face. <laughs> right. So moving from our one dummy to the other dummy now is uh, we have Sean and Destiny. Oh, God. So, Oh, this is moving so slow. It's yeah, finally it really the is. night before the court date that's been, like, teased this entire season. Yeah. And Destiny is talking to her sister, Brittany, about it. Obviously, she's worried that she might have to go back to prison, uh, but she can't do anything about that right now. So Brittany asks about the song situation, and Destiny feels betrayed and says that lying to her about talking to Kelly is the final straw and she can't go back. Well, you know. Unless she has to go back to prison, in which case she's going to need his money. So she'll keep him on the hook. <laughs> yeah. She explicitly says that she hopes Sean does not come to the court date, which I believe she also explicitly said to Sean. So then, of course, we switch over to Sean telling us that because of his $50,000, he will be making his way to the court date. Back with Brittany, uh, Destiny wonders what is even the point uh, – Destiny wonders what's even the point of turning herself in if, you know, she's basically just turning herself in to get locked up. Why would you do that? But Brittany says, well, you know, if you skip, then you're still going to get locked up. It's just going to be for a lot longer. And then, you know, you might be locked up until the horrifyingly old age of 40. Oh, God. So, <laughs> yes. As we both rapidly approach that age. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> They'll have wrinkles and everything. Oh, Destiny comes, doesn't really buy that it's the best move for her, but they like join hands and pray together for strength as we see Sean back at his house packing up to leave. Brittany thinks there's a pretty good chance that uh, Destiny's going to bolt before morning. So we skip ahead and now it is morning and it's 20 minutes before the court case is supposed to start. Brittany is standing in front of the, uh, Brittany is standing in front of the courthouse dialing Destiny and just getting voicemail. It was just like Brittany feared. Destiny was gone when she woke up. Um, Sean is also on his way to the courthouse uninvited. And then we switch over to Destiny, who's in a car somewhere and saying, teasing about being secretive because, you know, whatever. I don't have to not be secretive. I can keep secrets. But then they trick us by showing, like, someone pull into the courthouse. But it's just big dumb Sean. Court starts in a matter of minutes, and the show ends with the camera waiting to see if Destiny is going to pull in. All right. So oh, I had a question that I forgot what it was. <laughs> um, I don't I, – I, does Destiny think she can get away? I, it, it, why is she so short-term in her thinking? I don't know, but I find that incredibly frustrating because she, when she was talking to Brittany, she says, you know, like – I, you know, I'll go to court if I think that's what's right for me, you know? And it's like, but I don't but think that's right for how me. How is it and it's like, not right for you? What do you like, think it's not right for you? You're just prolonging the inevitable. So, you know, like, yeah. let's say your sentence is now or like three years from now. And then to me, it seems like, okay, granted, you prolonged it for three years. What would the point of that be? I feel like you would be anxious that entire time because we saw how anxious she was waiting for this court date. And uh-huh. then... Now you have a warrant out for your arrest and the anxiety of what's going to happen at court. It just seems like prolonging it actually just makes it worse. 
Oh, totally. I mean, it's it's definitely like, I, I feel like, and it is a certain point, it's very hard when you're staring at seven years, yeah. which is what she's looking at, to just be like, well, I just want to get this over with. Because it's not just just over with seven years. Seven years is seven years, yeah, right? Yeah. But it is definitely like, well, you're, whatever time you get, because yeah, so you get, best case scenario, you manage to outrun the law and stay out of trouble for three more years. Mm-hmm. Well, now you're going in for 10 years. So now it's 13 years later. Yeah. Right? And it, so it just doesn't. It just doesn't make any kind of logical sense. And obviously she can't be reasoned with. Like, and, no. I, and it's just like, I, I just want someone to like talk to her and ask her and make her reason through it. And you're like, I'll go to court if it's the right thing for me. And you'll be like, okay, well describe to me how not going to court is the right thing for you. Because right. she can't think any part of the past, I won't be in jail literally tomorrow. Right, right. Yeah. Okay. Speaking of unreasonable things. Her prayer was absolute bullshit. It's like, <laughs> have you been to church before? I'm pretty sure those are all the things you're not supposed to say in prayer. First of all, like, who do you think you're talking to that doesn't know you're lying? Like, I felt like all <laughs> the stuff she said in there was like what you would say to a jury, you know, in your closing arguments. Like, uh-huh. I am not the sum of my actions. It's like, uh-huh. Uh-huh. All right. I am not a bad person. It's like, mm, yeah. So she sure. was saying like a self affirmation rather yes. than a prayer. Yeah. 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 Like, and I was just like, this prayer is absolutely like, because I mean, at least I'm, I'm not, you know, a, I, I grew up Catholic. I'm not mm-hmm. a, the most religious person in the world, but I definitely feel like if anybody already knows you are not the sum of your actions, yep. it's, it's, it's a Christian God. Like, yes. that's pretty much the <laughs> definition of what Christian God is, stands for. He's, uh, He's right. pretty much that. That's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I was thinking. I was like, um, I feel like they would have taught you this in church. Yeah. Like <laughs> sitting there lying to God is probably not going to help you get your way. Right. Because I feel like, like that's what this is. It's like some kind of plea to get your way. Right. But in the, and that's, again, having grown up Catholic, it was like, you know what she should be doing? She should be asking for forgiveness. <laughs> yes, I know, doing. right? <laughs> Oh, that Catholic guilt. <laughs> that Catholic guilt coming back on me. I was like, oh, no. Like, okay. Yeah. The other thing, the other question I had was, what is Sean's plan? What does he, why does he think it's more likely that she'll come to court if he's physically there? He's an idiot. How is he going to get her? What, what's the mechanism here for getting her to court because he drove a car there? Oh, my gosh. Like, now he's he just knows. Idiot. All he's going to do is know sooner that he's out of his $50,000. Right, right. Um. Okay, so... I think he thinks that he somehow has more control over the situation if he's there. So let's say that, you know, the time actually gets there. Let's say it's 8 in the morning and she is she has not shown up to court. I think he thinks that, like, oh, well, I could, like, drive around and, like, go to all of her, you know, known destinations and see if she's there. I think he feels like there's something that he can, like, put in action. So I don't think we're quite there yet in the whole timeline of things. Because like you were saying, the timeline is moving extra, extra, extra slow. Yeah. But I think he feels like he somehow has more power. Uh, But I would say that what also makes Sean a big fat dummy, other than feeling like he has some control over the situation when he very clearly Uh does not, is why he keeps on, I don't know who he's trying to lie to, himself, the cameras, and he keeps on like going back and forth about what he's really upset over. Like, oh, I'm on, it's because I'm on the hook for 50,000. I don't know if I'm upset over that or I just really love her and I just want to make sure she's okay or oh, I don't know, she's like has another man and like what's all this shadiness on social media? It's like I don't I I know at the end of the day it's the money. Why do we even pretend it's anything else that you're concerned I, about? I would say it's – it's uh, to be uh, – he wouldn't say this out loud. It's the money and the sex. Like oh, she was man. having sex with him. Like yeah. there's that too. And he doesn't like that there's other guys that she's in with. Like he had – yeah, he gets to keep his – he wants to keep his $50,000 and still get laid all the time. Like that's – that. I don't think he's thinking – I think he also might be confusing being really into this girl and really loving her with – uh. I like that she sleeps with me all the time. That's cool. I like that part. <laughs> um, he carries around a legit photo of her. Like, that to me is crazy. <laughs> it's, 
Yes, that is weird. That is creepy. Yeah. I, I, I'm thinking as a, you know, as a almost 40-year-old man. Like, so younger than Sean, like, yeah. o- o- only photos in my pocket are my kids. <laughs> and I don't think I have those anymore either because they're all on my phone. Right. Like, and even then, it's like, okay, you just have this random one that's framed that you travel around oh, with. Oh, the framed one, too. It's not even in his wallet. It's not even in the wallet. No, yeah. no, that's what I was talking about. I was talking yeah, like about I have the one that was I, yeah. Yeah, in a frame yeah. that he was to packing fair, in his suitcase. I do not carry framed pictures of my children around in my car. So no, that is very even more weird. Yeah, it was very odd to me. It's like, okay, but so you go Does to he do that thing where he, like, room. kisses his fingers and, and, kiss, and touches it? Oh, let oh, me gosh, kiss Gosh, I don't know. <laughs> but then you, like, just... I don't know, put it up at your nightstand in, like, a hotel room? Like, that, to me, just seems really weird. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So weird. So, uh, last up we have is Scott and Lindsay. So, Lindsay has just told Scott it's over as she flipped over the table. She walks to the front of the house for what she refers to as target practice. Scott is thumbing through the book that Lindsay claims the quote he got mad over was from and tells us that this is exactly the reason why he believes Lindsay will go back to prison because she's angry and has rage. Scott goes inside to check out the damage uh, that Lindsay did while trashing his office. He says he's not surprised by what he saw. He tells us that he gave Lindsay a chance to be a better and to prove herself when she got out. And he's disappointed that she is who she is. And he tells us that this is the most toxic relationship he's ever been in. Lindsay, meanwhile, is on the phone with a friend asking about locks. And they talk about how she has no intention of leaving the house because she has tenant rights. Lindsay isn't worried about anything because she says she is five steps ahead of Scott. And she lays down the rules. And anyone who goes against them has hell to pay. All right, so it looks like this is going to be a battle for Scott kicking her out. What kind of rights do you really think Lindsay has to this home? I'm actually looking like at, I'm actually literally pulled up Mississippi like, like tenant right law, mm-hmm. um, and from what I can tell, um, none. She has absolutely no rights to anything for that house. Right, because she doesn't she's pay not a rent. Lease. She doesn't have a lease. Right. Like, I mean, oh no, but. Let's back up. If it is a rental, is she on the lease or not? If she's not on the lease, she has nothing. I don't think she's on the lease at all. And the reason why I say that is because she had no idea that this house was even leased in the first place. So wouldn't you have to sign something in order to be on the lease? Right. So that's tricky because that's – I mean, yeah, because she's not the tenant. Now, right. now it's tricky because if you, usually if someone stays there, you do have to disclose all the people that live there. Yeah. Like I know that. When you sign the lease, you have to say all the people that are going to be there. So, yeah, I don't – it's – yeah. Unclear. I would say that the other thing that I could kind of see is if you have any bills going to that address, you could probably argue something about you living there. And then um, that might give you some – something to argue against yeah, so i i just think that i i, I think even at that even the, the most generous scenario you know because she's living there i'd still like two weeks notice is all he has to give her yeah like and then he can say this is my lease i don't want you on it i'm taking you off of the lease i'm taking your name off of it you need to move out in two weeks like yeah and so I, i'm really curious about who, what her five moves ahead are in this chess game because i'm like to me it just seems like yes you might be thinking five moves ahead but he has all of his pieces and you just have your king. <laughs> like, I don't, you can think five moves ahead as much as you want. You're not winning that chess game. Yeah. And I'm sorry, but I have zero sympathy for Scott in this whole thing. It's like he comes out saying like, oh, you know, I gave her the chance to show me that she was, you know, a model citizen and like that she's changed. He didn't actually say changed, I don't think. Yeah. Because that would kind of imply that he knew that she wasn't exactly good news to begin with. And he's like trying to make it seem like, oh, I was giving her a chance. And then now all of a sudden it's kind of like, ah, I knew she could be like that. She's a pretty terrible person. Which 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 makes me really think that he actually does have a plan and he knows exactly how much right she has and he knows exactly how she he can kick her out of this house. Because he was always kind of he always had that as an escape valve anyway. Yeah. You know? Um, so I'm be, yeah, I'm very curious to what her plans are besides like, well, if he kicks me out, I'm going to break all his windows. See how he likes that. You know, oh that's going to be her. 
I'll break his windows and come in the house. Like, that's going to be her big yeah. chess plan here. I mean, okay. So if this were to happen, let's say, in another situation, just two roommates, right? And one roommate just trashes the hell out of, like, you know, the, the other yeah. roommate's office, just yeah. like Lindsay did. Right. What kind of legal repercussions are there in, like, that scenario? Do you call the cops on them? Say vandalism of your own home because it's it's kind I mean, of I mean it gray is area. it is weird destruction of property but yeah. if it's joint but because they're not married yet but I wonder if like what if they were married it would be joint property right like destruction of joint property that's that's a weird thing so yeah I don't know I just think he wants her out of the house and I think she, I think she won't have much of a choice like right. I really don't. Yeah. I don't see how it, I don't see how it works. Now, great, we trust is enough. Neither of these are like neither of these people are good people right now. Like they're both <laughs> they're both really really garbage. Yeah, but I kind of just, like, just uh, you know she like, is just she is just somebody who thinks she is so much smarter than she really is. Like well, she's just like she I think thinks he she's thinks some, he's more of a catch than he really is. So he, oh mean, he is, yeah. but in terms in terms of getting the upper hand in this situation, oh, right. she's just yeah, like sure. oh yeah, well he has he's so dumb he doesn't even know. Like I don't I don't think your plans are as uh, foolproof dumb. as you think they are. Right. Yeah. All right, so we did not hear from Brittany and Marcelino this week. So who did you have as your student of the week? Uh, I went with Lamar. Mm-hmm. Like he came in and he was, I thought he was mistreated by Andrea before, but he still came in. <laughs> Um, well, he always is, but he still came in with the flowers ready to like, if she wasn't already calmed down to calm her down. I think he did a great job apologizing to Priscilla. Um, you know, slight misstep with his plan for dealing with Shante and Andrea, but you know, you, you take what you can get with these people sometimes. I know. Right. So speaking <laughs> of which I was going to say my student of the week is Lacey. Kind of like on that, well, you know, she didn't do anything terrible. And I would say more specifically, I appreciated how she handled all the conversations with Shane. Like, even when she was kind of being accused of things, Mm -hmm. she didn't get super defensive. She didn't, you know, get angry about it. She just was kind of like, no, like, things are fine. I'm pregnant with your child. Right. I was trying to protect you. That's why I didn't say anything, you know? And she was very calm about everything. I got one text that I didn't respond to and I knew you would blow a gasket over it. And it's like, so it wasn't a thing. Like, I didn't do anything. So Right. So, Lacey, just based on that, I know. Sometimes it's low low bar. (laughs) Yeah, I know, right? Oh, jeez. What about your dunce? I went with Amber. Mm -hmm. Um, I just, I feel like she's just playing with with puppy like she's just toying with her emotions and i don't even know i'm not sure if it's worse if she knows how bad she's doing it or if she doesn't realize how bad she's doing it like i'm not sure which of those scenarios is right but i it's it's really hard to watch yeah it is yeah i i agree with you with the whole what's the intention behind it because, you know, is it worse that she knows? I, I would think it's worse that she knows and she's, like, intentionally hurting her. But, I mean, yeah, but at the end of the day. Because she's stringing her along is what right, she's doing. Right, the result like, is the same at the end of the day. So it doesn't sure. matter what your intention is. You're still hurting her the same amount. Yep, fair enough. Yeah. All right, so my dunce is Chevelle. Like, come on. Like, at least try to make it more difficult. Like, you're just going to, like, pretend everything's okay and, like, smile like a dummy at Quaylen. Oh yeah. Oh my god. She got up and gave him a hug and everything. Ugh. Yeah. It was like, oh my gosh. The only thing that would have made it worse is if she jumped into his arms, like running, right. jumping into his arms. And it, what happened wasn't too far away from that scenario. It wasn't. It wasn't. It was. De- it was definitely like she really appreciated it as a romantic gesture, which yes. leads me into my life lesson: rolling up on somebody randomly is not a romantic gesture. <laughs> It is super aggressive and like I, I would say borderline abusive just to, to roll up on somebody who said they didn't want to see you. And it's like it definitely mad at Chevelle for like encouraging that type of behavior oh because gosh. it is not okay. Well, you know, and I've said this. I can't remember on this podcast if I've said this. But you know the only difference between someone who's considered romantic and someone who's considered a stalker. The only difference yes. is how the other person feels about you. So, you know, if the person like like Chevelle is like all goo-goo-eyed over Quaylin, like, yes, this is a very romantic gesture. 
You know, but if she were still mad at him, she'd be like, okay, crazy stalker, get the hell away from me. But, I mean, that's true about a lot of things, too, right? Like, it's true about, like, it's true about the only difference between, you know, like, the guy who, you know, the Capitol guy who stole Nancy Pelosi's letter and left a quarter. Like, you know, if I I buy someone from something who wasn't selling it, it depends (laughs) on how they feel about the object in question, right? right? Whether if I left left somebody a 20 for their shoes and be like, uh, no, you stole my shoes? (laughs) But but they could be into it, so then it was not stealing. Then you paid. Then you bought their shoes. Maybe. All right. So my life lesson uh, actually applies to a couple of different couples. Um, but I think I was thinking specifically about uh, Shane and his dinner conversation with the kids, and Quaylen and Myela's phone call. Don't involve kids into your drama. Right. No, this is yeah. why they feel like it's somehow their fault when things don't work out. You know, yes. You're involving them, sticking in the middle of these things. It's like they feel like, you know, they're directly involved yes. because you've made them directly involved. Yeah. I mean, imagine if the Lacey and Shane thing had blown up into a bigger argument. Right. So all the kids would take away was, OK, dad was talking to us about lying and it turned in, and. And it just turned into a huge fight between mom and dad. Yeah. Like, and so they're like, oh, so our conversation is what made them start fighting. Right. It's like, no, that's not, that's not good. Yeah. You don't want them thinking that. Right. Yeah. So, keep the kids out of it. Yep. Definitely. Keep the kids. Save the children. Always. <laughs> Always save the children. <laughs> All right. So that about wraps it up. Oh, so I texted oh, you, Mr. Except o. for the, except right. for the on next week part. The preview. <laughs> my gosh i texted you and i was like oh my gosh did you see the preview because randomly john of john and christiana like comes back but it's with christiana's sister and i was just like what is going oh, on right now such oh we forgot they I, they had us at the end of a season that's why i said the end of the last season they had us like him trying so hard to make everybody happy yeah that they had us kind of thinking it and we forgot from the beginning, how gross and horny of a guy he is. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Well, and that's probably how we got into the situation in the first place, because where we left off last season, uh, Christiana, his uh, wife, who ended up going back to prison, she was very concerned about her sister and her mom because her mom has huge medical issues, and then her sister was battling She has an addiction, addiction issue, yeah. So he basically took a, both of them in, to his home and so apparently they're living there without christiana because christiana went back to prison and apparently john is now trying to move on with this sister or maybe not trying to, he's trying to have it or all just or, yes have it all yes that that's a good way to put it right so yeah. we'll see i guess we'll see more of that next week so oh, that God. sounds like something we did yeah. like we didn't have enough garbage we need more i know right oh did you uh catch the also the little thing at the end where they had a behind or inside the episode with uh, oh, no, I Tyrese didn't. and Shonda. Shonda? No, I did not see okay, that, actually. so they revealed that Shonda pretty much immediately started dating someone who was more age-appropriate. Um, oh, good for her. Yeah, good for her. <laughs> so she looks like she's kind of had her happily ever after, and she has not talked to Tyrese since. And uh, Tracy, the girl that Tyrese went out with, you know, with the whole chicken... Uh-huh. Oh, yeah, the weird chicken, chicken thing. Yeah, yeah. He's he is no longer with Tracy either. Not surprising. Yeah. <laughs> Not at all. All right. So uh, we will be back next week to yep. cover uh, this group and apparently John. Apparently some, apparently some, uh, some more additions. Maybe. Yep. Who knows? All right. Well, we'll see you then. Okay. okay. All right. Bye. Bye.